Welcome to 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett, and it's episode four of the podcast. Last week, we had Niners beat writer Taylor Worth come on and join the show to discuss the possibility of Matt Breida being traded, and he validated the Joe Staley retirement rumors. But today, we're going to break down the Caesar Sportsbook odds for the Niners 2020 season. And of course, the draft is six days away. We're going to give you our 2020 49ers NFL mock draft. And joining us today to do so is producer at 957 The Game in San Francisco, and he also works at NBC Sports, Arden Cravalho. Arden, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Sterling. Thanks for having me on, and uh, I hope you're staying safe during this uh, uncertain period of time. It's been a little crazy. You can't really go outside, can't really go to the store. It's been hectic, but uh, we're staying safe. We're doing some Niners talk today on Niners Access, and I, I honestly just want to jump right into this. I'm not sure if you saw yesterday, but uh, Caesar Sports, they released their betting odds. I, I read it on uh, ESPN, and uh, they had the Niners uh, with around 10.5 wins. They had the Seahawks at 9.5 wins, uh, and, and we're just going to go through all the odds here and kind of break them down one by one and, and see what this team uh, can do. Uh, but I think we all know at this point the Niners, they're, they're going to make the playoffs. They have the expanded playoff schedule now. Uh, the, the first seed is the only team that gets the, the first round by. So, and there's seven teams in each conference who are going to go to the playoffs. The Niners are easily a, a top seven team in the NFC. But like I said, they are predicted at 10, 10.5 wins over under. I want to ask you, does that sound about right for this current 49ers team? I think you can bump it up a little bit, honestly. I think you can go 11.5 for this team for their over-under. Like you said, they are definitely easily capable of making the playoffs. And uh, other than that, I think you can put, bump that over-under just a bit. And yeah, the Super Bowl odds, 7-1, to one, that sounds about right for this team coming off that Super Bowl loss with the Chiefs. And it's looking like that we're going to get that rematch, which I'm looking forward to. Definitely hoping for that rematch. As a Niner fan, I, I want that revenge tour. I definitely want to get back. Uh, George Kittle's little speech is saying, I'm going to be back here and be back with a expletive vengeance. That kind of got me pumped up even though we lost that game. Uh, but I want to look at the schedule here, and the NFL is going to release that schedule early in May, and we don't know the exact, you know, where they're going to be on a certain day, but we do know who their opponents are going to be, barring anything crazy happening with maybe a shortened schedule. Uh, but I looked at it, and I said, the Niners can beat the Cardinals. They, you know, they had they played them tough last year, but I think they can at least split that schedule with Arizona. They made a ton of additions this year in Arizona. I think they can at least split that schedule uh, the Seahawks, I, I think it'll be what it, what it was last year. Uh, you, you take one from us, we take one from you. Both teams are good. I, th- I think the Rams, I, I don't know who the Rams are. I think they're a little underrated this year, uh, despite losing all the pieces they did. But they still have Sean McVay, still have Jared Goff, Cooper Cup, and plenty of guys on defense that can get it done. Uh, the Niners are better than the Redskins. They're better than the Jets, the Giants, Dolphins. They're better than the Packers. They proved that twice last season. The Packers didn't get exponentially better and are nowhere near where the Niners are unless the Niners somehow fall apart somewhere in the schedule. And they are better than the New England Patriots. That's already nine wins on the schedule. I think the the Saints and Seahawks games, I think you can say that San Francisco escaped New Orleans last year with a win. Uh, they, they wouldn't have won that game if it wasn't for uh, Jared Cook getting hurt uh, because Jaquiski Tart was not playing in that uh, the second and, and through, through the fourth quarters. And so 
There are four games that I see could go both ways. They have it 10.5 wins. That's the projected win total for San Francisco. But I see that Cowboys, Bills, Cardinals, Rams, and Eagles games that are they're going to be tough because those teams are, are, are playoff caliber teams, maybe besides the Rams at, at this point and where they're at in their franchise history. But you, know, you said 11.5. I look at this and I say the Niners at the high end could go 14-2. and two. And the low end, I I I, th- I think they are honestly a twelve and four team. I don't think they're ready to take that big of a step back when they've definitely brought back at least ninety percent of that roster last season. What do you think about that, Arden? Yeah, I, I can definitely see them going fourteen and two. It's definitely a possibility. Uh, the schedule, it's. If you were to look at the schedule about a year ago, you would think, wow, the schedule is pretty tough. But now that we know what this team is capable of, and now that we know that some of these teams are taking a step back, like you mentioned, the New England Patriots, the Los Angeles Rams, and the teams that we've beaten in the past, the Saints, the Green Bay Packers, this schedule seems like it's almost, uh, it's very capable for the Niners to get this 14-2 and mark. And I think they would, like you said, they are going to split against the Seahawks. Uh, they might split against the Arizona Cardinals, but I think they will get a season sweep of the Los Angeles Rams and get that NFC West title. This is a very capable schedule for the 49ers. The the odds to win the division currently is at plus 100. That's pretty darn good. They are the favorite to win. And you already mentioned they are the favorite to win out of the NFC and go back to the uh, Super Bowl, uh, which is they have the second highest odds, 7-1. Obviously, the Chiefs are, I think, 5-1 or 6-1. You know, they're a pretty darn good team. I think they're 4-1 right now. And, yes, they're, that's pretty good. Even then, I, I was looking at it, and I kind of already hinted at it earlier, this new playoff format, seven teams per conference, even if the Niners lost five more games than they did last season. They're 8-8. Eight and eight. Say, oh, that sucks, but 8-8, eight and eight, you're, you're at least fighting for that final wild card spot. You're at least fighting for that, for that last place in the playoffs. So, you know, even with Niner fans maybe being upset that, you know, uh, Emmanuel Sanders is gone or DeForest Buckner is gone, and obviously we'll get into the draft later and how they can replace those guys, but Niner fans shouldn't be discouraged even if this team somehow falters or, or massive injuries happen because they can still make the playoffs even with this possible 8-8 eight and eight schedule. Pretty much what I want to ask you is, is that because of the 8-8 eight and eight or the possible 8-8 eight and eight schedule, if something crazy happens in that, that seven-team conference, how important is, the, is it for this Niners team to set themselves apart to get that number one seed in that first round bye? We saw how important it was last year. Do you think they have to get that again, knowing it's extremely hard to get back uh, to the Super Bowl? Yes, they definitely do. The NFC is strong as ever, uh, and that's what you got to do. you got to assert your dominance straight from the get-go in the NFC if you want to win the NFC. And they're playing in a tough division, one of the toughest divisions in football in the NFC West. So you have to show your dominance straight out the gate if you want to be in that Super Bowl once again. And you kind of have a target on your back, so you got to have to be able to be ready to go against the big dogs. The top seeds in the NFC seemingly all got better, even if it was like a small addition. Uh, Green Bay really didn't do that much, but you know Devin Funch just isn't the big name guy, but he is around six seven. It can, it can be a red zone target. Obviously, they lost Brian Belaga in right tackle, and they're probably going to replace him in the draft. But I look at the Saints, who added Emmanuel Sanders. They were only one game off the Niners last season. Obviously, that Niners Saints game was a huge victory for San Francisco, and and, and of course you can find someone of a replacement for DeForest Buckner and Emmanuel Sanders in the draft. Um, but I want to ask you, as we kind of get into the, the NFL mock draft we're going to do here, is that what does San Francisco need to do that can set them apart? Is, is it an internal change? 
Is it drafting a certain guy? Is it kind of doing the same thing they did last year, next man up? What does San Francisco need to do to continue to set themselves apart from the rest of the NFC? It goes along with that next man up thing, and you have to get players in the draft to continue that next man up mentality. So you have to find that wide receiver to uh, be aside Debo Samuel, and then you have to find some other cornerbacks, some safeties to back up Richard Sherman. So those are some of the players that they have to go after in that draft, and that's where it all starts. It all starts in the NFL draft. That's where you find what your team can improve on and how you can go moving forward. When you think of the NFL draft, I look at last year's draft and, and how big it was. You know, Dre Greenlaw, even the punter, uh, you know, the fourth round pick it was like, this guy is producing, even though he's a punter, uh, at a fairly good level on a playoff team. And I just want to ask you, is there someone who was hurt last year, like Jalen Hurd, Trent Taylor, uh, even Tim Harris, who we didn't see a lot of. I know he didn't play at all last season, but you know he was a draft pick last year for San Francisco late in the draft. Do you see some of these guys, if Hurd can be productive, if Taylor can be productive, being the kind of lift or, or the kind of the X factor San Francisco needs next season? For a rookie, it would have to be Jalen Hurd. You mentioned Jalen Hurd. Yes, I think that there's a lot riding on him. He didn't get a play, if at all, I'm pretty sure, with the 49ers uh, last season in his rookie year. So there's a lot riding on him. I think that he would have to uh, step up and see if he can find a way into the rotation. And then besides the rookie, it's Jarek McKinnon. I mean, we've been riot- we've been talking about Jarek McKinnon. Can we see him in a 49ers uniform? Can we get him on the field? So there's a lot riding on him as well if he can be productive for this team. And that's going to be even a tougher situation than – for Jalen, uh, then for Jarek McKinnon instead of Jalen Hurd because Jarek McKinnon has a lot of running backs ahead of him with Mostert, Coleman, Breida. So it'll be a tough road for him, but he's a capable back and he's definitely capable of making his uh, splash in the rotation. I've kind of talked about this the last three weeks of the podcast, and that's Dante Pettis. Is he going to get traded? Is he not going to get traded? Where does he fit on this roster? Obviously, he has the upside. Kyle Shanahan picked him in the second round a few years ago. Uh, He showed some flashes two years ago, and even last season in that Pittsburgh Steelers game. And I've talked about this at nauseum on the podcast so far. Do you see the Niners trading him for draft picks, which I think is a, a, a very high possibility? Or do you think that... Kyle Shanahan sees him as part of this team and and a player this team needs going forward? That's a tough question right there, Sterling. But honestly, I see him, he is the one name that will be on the trading block and be in the conversations on NFL draft night, seeing if we can figure out a situation where we can trade him off, get some more picks for him. He's definitely at the top of that list. If he, If that were not to happen... It's very tough to see him in a rotation in the rotation for the 49ers. It, it's a tough situation with Dante Pettis because we got a lot of chances to see him last year early in the year, and there wasn't much there. And then he kind of fell down into the rotation. So Dante Pettis is definitely going to be on the trading block come NFL draft night next week. And I don't know if, if that doesn't happen there will be a tough situation because there's a lot of wide receivers on this team. And then we got wide receivers that are possibly coming out of the NFL draft. So it'll be a tough situation for him. Spoke of the wide receivers in the NFL draft this year. And obviously Niners have a plethora of receivers, whether they're at at the low end or the high end, kind of guys like Debo Samuel or KB, or even guys, you know, like, like Dexter Poindexter at at, at the very bottom of the roster. Um, But what I want to ask you is, is that because there's so many quality receivers or what is maybe 
projected to be so many quality receivers in this year's draft. Do you think it's going to be hard for San Francisco to trade Dante Pettis to a team for a fourth round pick or a fifth round pick knowing they can replace or or, or get a receiver later in the draft and they don't need to give up a, a draft pick for him? No, I don't think that's a, I don't think that'll be an issue. He's a young uh, running, one uh, young wide receiver, I should say. And he's hasn't been able to have as much production as he would like in 49ers with the 49ers, but a change of scenery with a new team, let's say, I don't know, throughout the new England Patriots who are looking for a wide receiver and have a plethora of draft picks that could be definitely an option for him. So I don't, I think teams are definitely interested in the potential with him. He's fresh out of college from UW, so there's definitely a lot of interest. Let me ask you one more question before we get to the NFL mock draft, and that is Matt Breida. Matt Breida signed his uh, his second-round tender yesterday uh, for around $3.259 million, whatever it is. Um, he can still sign with a different team. The Niners have a chance to match that offer, or they can trade him, um, or they can keep him for the rest of the year, and he'll be on a one-year contract. My question to you is, uh, I talked to Taylor Worth last week. He said that, you know, the likelihood that Brita is is on the team going into the season is pretty high. He expects him to be here. I want to ask you, do you expect the same from Matt Brita, knowing he may be a little buried on that depth chart in the running back uh, room? Do you think he's going to be here uh, going forward in 2020 for San Francisco? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, like you said, he'll be under contract for around uh, a little over $3 million for the 49ers for next season. And he, as you said, he's still eligible to be traded during next week's draft or signed with another team. But if that were to happen, it would cost the 49ers a second round pick. And I know John Lynch doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to lose any of that. So I just don't see the possibility of uh, Matt Breida being left off of this team. Now, his number or his uh, time on the field might be limited with all the running backs, but they're still going to be able to use him in certain situations against certain teams. And I think that with that, it is one of the deepest positions the 49ers have. So I think that it, Brita is well, he'll be safe on this team and he'll find a way to make an impact. Do you think the Niners, knowing they're deep at running back, could say, look, McKinnon seems to be healthy. Mostert's our guy. Coleman is, you know, the the number two guy in this offense. And Jeff Wilson Jr. has shown flashes. Do you think San Francisco could, maybe there's a corner in the fourth round they want, and they say it can make an instant impact while Brita may be buried. Do you think that they would make that trade saying, look, our, our, our window is now. We have to capitalize. Brita, we love you and we're happy to have you on the team, but this cornerback, whoever it is, or safety, whatever it is, could add instant value to the team now. Do you think they would pull the trigger on that? I mean, yeah, if there's a certain cornerback, now that would have to be a big-name cornerback um, that they're that is still on the board and they really, really want him and go after him. I could see that happening, but I think two names that would be ahead of him in the trading block would have to be Dante Pettis and Marquise Goodwin. Those are two uh, wide receivers. Marquise Goodwin's getting a little up there in age and two uh, wide receivers that have kind of dropped off a bit in the rotation. So I think those two names would be ahead of Matt Breida in that case. But yeah, you know, NFL draft night is a crazy night and there's always some names throwing out there. So if Breida's name was to be thrown out there for, and there was a cornerback on the board, it's quite a possibility, but I very unlikely in my mind. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. 
Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We've talked plenty about the draft already, so let's move on to the NFL mock draft. And, you know, there's there's been plenty of de- talk and debate as to who San Francisco's going to take with that 13th overall pick. Um, before we dive into that discussion as, as to who's going to be there or you know, which receiver they're going to take or even a cornerback, I think we need to narrow down what players are actually going to be there at 13 and, and the Niners draft needs. So to me, San Francisco has three things they have to do in this year's draft. They have to, one, replace Emmanuel Sanders, two, get a bona fide number two corner across from Sherman. I, I love Emmanuel Mosley and, and, and Quan Williams is a fantastic nickel corner, but they need a number two guy. We saw how how bad it was in the Super Bowl when, when Sherman couldn't cover anybody. And so, and then the third thing is they have to get an interior defensive lineman and, and to replace DeForest Buckner. Those are the three things. You have to replace Buckner, Sanders, and get a number two corner. And, and, and the consensus here seems to be that, you know, all three receivers should be available barring the Jets going for a receiver um, or, or at least San Francisco having a, a, a pick of two of the three, that being Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, and Henry Ruggs. Uh, and I'll just give away who I think is the, the guy they should pick, and I've said it plenty of times, and then I'll give my alternatives after you tell me your pick. But I think the guy is CeeDee Lamb. He can score anywhere. He averaged, 11, I think, 11 yards after the catch, 21 yards per catch, never dropped a pass over 20 yards. He's great behind the line of scrimmage. He's physical after the catch. He can break away from any defender and score anywhere. I called him the the elite touchdown machine a few weeks back. And so I want to ask you, it, are you going for the three receivers, knowing that they're you know, going to be the top-tier guys? Or are you looking at something else at that 13th overall pick if there are, if all three receivers are available? Um, yeah, I'm going for the one of those three top wide receivers in this draft. Like those are the That's what we came for. We traded that number 13th pick for the Colts. For DeForest Buckner, we need a home run pick, and we need a home run name to make that happen. So Jerry Judy, uh, Henry Ruggs, and C.D. Lamb, one of those three guys has to be that home run pick. Now, in my mind, I have to go with Jerry Judy as the best of all those three wide receivers. Will he be there at that 13th pick? That's the tough question. It's most likely not going to happen. So then uh, in this order, I go Jerry Judy then I go C.D. Lamb, and then I go Henry Ruggs. Those are where I think that order will happen. So I think Henry Ruggs will unfortunately end up dropping to that 13th pick, and the Niners are going to go after him. Do you think San Francisco, knowing they need a cornerback, also knowing that you know they, they also want draft capital in that second, third, and fourth round because they don't have any picks there at the moment, do you, do you think they can see a team like Denver who is is actively and aggressively trying to trade up and say, look, you want Henry Ruggs, we'll give you Henry Ruggs. We know we can get uh, an, another receiver late in the second round or even third round. Who knows who San Francisco is actually targeting? Um, do you think they look at Denver and say, we'll give you Henry Ruggs, you give us the 15th pick, and, and maybe give us the picks we traded Emmanuel Sanders back and give us a third and fourth rounder for it? And they go ahead and they pick C.J. Henderson and then add a receiver late and have confidence in him as much as they would have it in a top-tier guy like Lamb, Judy, or Ruggs. See, that's a tough one. But honestly, I don't think they're going to be trading that pick. I, I think that the 31st pick is going to be the one that will definitely be an option for them to trade. But that 13th pick, 
you got a, you gave up a lot into Forrest Buckner, a 2018 Pro Bowler, a huge part of the reason why we were in the Super Bowl last season. And you don't want to be trading that pick right away. You want to you're trying to get that big splash name in this draft with that pick to make up for DeForest Buckner because the 49ers faithful, they were a little upset that DeForest Buckner had to leave while there were some other players that could have been traded in that case, uh, i.e. Solomon Thomas. That was another player's player that could have been traded instead of DeForest Buckner. So I think, no, I don't think they'll be trading off that 13th pick. When you look at the 13th pick, many people have said the Niners have to replace DeForest Buckner there. And, and there's two, two guys that stand out, I think, above uh, the rest when it comes to defensive linemen in this year's draft. And that's Javon Kinlaw. We've, we've heard so much about Javon Kinlaw and, and, and even you know, a little bit about Derek Brown. Uh, I know the Niners are targeting or have been in contact with uh, Raekwon uh, Davis from uh, Alabama. Uh, but do you think that the Niners could go after Javon Kinlaw if he is there. We've heard the comp all all the last couple of weeks is DeForest Buckner. Do you think they replace, you know, DeForest Buckner with that 13th pick in Javon Kinlaw or do you think they still go receiver or cornerback no matter what there? It's a wide receiver heavy draft. There's a bunch of big names in there and I do like the idea of going after Kinlaw with that comparison. I've heard that all all this week. But no, I just think it's a heavy draft in the wide receiver spot, and there are some big names there that you're going to regret if you don't end up going after one of them with that 13th pick. You can find that DL, you can find that, um, yeah, you can find that defensive lineman in the later rounds. There's still a lot of good names, and you can find that diamond in the rough later on. But no, with that 13th pick, you want to go after the big name in the wide receiver spot. We know how good San Francisco is at finding that diamond in the rough. George Kittle, Dre Greenlaw, Fred Warner, the list goes on and on and on since Shanahan and Lynch took over. Uh, you mentioned the, thir- uh, the the 31st overall pick, and I kind of want to transition over to that. Um, you mentioned trading down at 31 is the best option, and and, and I would agree with you. Uh, the only question is, is what team would want to trade up? And to me, the, the team that makes the most sense in wanting to trade up, a team that has plenty of talent on it already, uh, a, a team that you know isn't a division that isn't wide open, but is definitely there uh, for a wild card spot or, or even to challenge uh, the top seeded team, and, and that is the Cleveland Browns. They have OBJ, Jarvis Landry, Baker Mayfield, you know Nick Chubb, Cream Hunt, a stacked defense uh, that does need some improvement, and they have a new head coach. I think Cleveland is going to be aggressive and uh, trying to get as much talent as they can. And that's why I think San Francisco could even acquire the 41st overall pick, the 97th overall pick, and the 188th overall pick, giving them a pick in the second, third, and a second, sixth round pick. Uh, is there a team that you see San Francisco trading back with at 31 that makes the most sense to you? Surprisingly, it's actually the team that you just mentioned, the Cleveland Browns. They have a lot of picks, and uh, I definitely think that they are looking to be aggressive because the past couple seasons have been disappointing when the expectations were high for this Cleveland Browns team. So where do you make up for it? You make up for it in the draft. You find those big splash names, and that's another team that I think will definitely be interested in trading up or trading uh, with the 49ers. And another team that I mentioned earlier who also has a plethora of picks and need to make up for it because they lost their big quarterback name in Tom Brady, that's the New England Patriots. And Bill Belichick, we know he's aggressive in the NFL draft, and he finds a lot of dime in the, in the roughs, like we said earlier. So those are two teams, the Cleveland Browns and the New England Patriots. So the 49ers 
should be talking to, and also a team that you mentioned earlier, the Denver Broncos. There's a lot of conversations going on in the NFL draft, just constantly talking to teams. So I think those are the top three teams that the 49ers have been in conversation with. We both had a consensus of they need to go receiver at 13. Uh, is there is there some players that, that you see they can get uh, via a trade back in the draft that you think are, are top-tier guys that they can maybe get a steal at at the second, third, fourth, fifth round, whatever it is? Are there guys that you see San Francisco should target in this draft past the first round? Yeah, there are definitely some players. One player in particular who I actually have a bit of connection with is Devin Asiasi. He's the tight end out of UCLA. I don't know if he's a second-round pick. He could maybe sneak up there, but he's definitely a third-round pick. I think that's a player that they should definitely go after. Uh, The reason I have a connection with him is he's actually from uh, Shoreview, California, in San Mateo. I played basketball against him, and that wasn't even his best sport. He was an awesome football player out of De La Salle High School, powerhouse De La Salle High School, and now he went to – he got uh, recruited to go to Michigan and then ended up transferring to UCLA – but he's a compliment to George Kittle at the tight end position. And I think that would be great to have him learn under George Kittle, learn under this 49ers offense. He does have an issue with blocking, and what better way to uh, learn how to block and get improve on that part of the game than George Kittle. He's one of the best blockers, blocking tight ends in the NFL. He shows a lot of... Uh, athleticism on the field he has great size and he's a great route runner so that's one player that I think would be great to complement in this 49ers offense at the tight end position alongside George Kittle Devin Asiasi out of UCLA we know they lost Toilolo to the Giants this past offseason he was a huge uh, in their blocking rush uh, defense and even pass uh, pass offense excuse me and rushing offense but one tight end that I see and you already mentioned a tight end is Bryson Hopkins, the tight end out of Purdue. I think Ross Dwelly, uh, he was a solid uh, addition to the offense when Kittle was out against the Arizona Cardinals. Um, I think Bryson Hopkins may be a little more athletic, Ross Dwelly, and that's not a knock on Dwelly at all, but in, in this past season alone, he had 61 receptions, 830 yards, and 7 touchdowns, and the fourth most receptions of uh, 15-plus yards. I think the Niners offense this season you know, getting a receiver in the first round, uh, maybe targeting a tight end in the third or fourth round can make them more explosive and kind of take the pressure off of George Kittle, Adebo Samuel, a Kendrick Bourne, and the entire running game, and even give Jimmy Garoppolo more weapons uh, to, to look forward to downfield. But there's one name who I think the Niners almost have to get. You know, of course, I want them to get CeeDee Lamb or even C.J. Henderson, but if we're going with the receiver at 13, I think there's one name they have to target and that's Damon Arnett, the cornerback out of Ohio State. He played opposite of Jeffrey Okuda all season. He's physical in press coverage. The Niners love their press coverage. Uh, he uses the sideline almost to perfection. He's good at dictating where receivers are going to go in the routes they run. And he's a solid tackler. The Niners love cornerbacks that can tackle. Sherman's aggressive in tackling. Mosley is a good tackler. I, I honestly think that's one of the reasons why Akella Witherspoon isn't on the field as much as that. I don't think Witherspoon is as aggressive as he should be in tackling at trying to dictate receivers' routes. I think he's too apprehensive when guarding a receiver. And the one thing I saw in the Super Bowl as the Niners were struggling to cover passes over 10 yards, we saw Sammy Watkins, Tyree Kill, the list goes on and on, Michael Hardman, 
uh, but like I said, the list goes on and on of speed receivers the Chiefs have, and that's kind of the one team San Francisco kind of needs to beat. That's the archetype of a team that I think other teams that you know had lost lost to San Francisco last year are gonna tie are gonna try to kind of you know do what Kansas City did last year. Uh, Arnett was fifth among prospects this season or in this NFL draft with a 32 completion percentage against him on passes over 10 yards. He's ahead of big names like C.J. Henderson, A.J. Terrell, even Jeff Gladney from TCU, and he's only 1% worse than Jeffrey Okuda, who is widely considered the best uh, cornerback prospect in this year's draft. I think Damon Arnett is arguably the most underrated corner in this year's draft. I know Eric Crocker loves him from the 4th and 9. Uh, I just think Damon Arnett is the guy they need to get to fill that cornerback position. Is there a cornerback that you see late in this draft, maybe not in the 2nd or 3rd round, but a cornerback San Francisco needs to target to fill that void across from Sherman? A cornerback, I don't really see a cornerback late in the first round, but I do see a safety that, or uh, excuse me, not late in the first round, but late, late in the draft. There's one safety that comes to mind that I'm really interested in out of Notre Dame. That's Jalen Elliott. Jalen Elliott out of Notre Dame. He's got good size and he's got a good straight, good straight line speed. He's really a good open field tackler. And I think that he could be a player that could be uh, an interesting player to develop after a certain amount of time. He wouldn't obviously go be a starter out of the NFL draft for this team, but he has good size and he's really a, a powerful uh, tackler. So I think that that's a player that the 49ers should be interested in in the late sixth or seventh round for, at the, out of the safety position. There's no cornerback that really comes to my mind at the moment, but I'll get back to you on that one, Sterling. When it comes to replacing DeForest Buckner, obviously Ken Law, Derek Brown, the list goes on and on and on about guys that they should target to, to fill that interior void and, and I want to ask you, before I get to who I think could fill that void uh, in the middle of the draft, in, in, in the third through fourth round or third through fifth round, if San Francisco does have those picks. But my question to you is, does San Francisco really need to replace DeForest Buckner? I kind of already said they, they need to, but, but, but do you think that what they already have with the Ronald Blair, who's coming off an ACL injury, a DJ Jones, who said he's been healthy since mid-February, and even Kerry Hyder, who had his best year uh, with this Niners defensive line coaching staff uh, when he was in Detroit, do you think they really need to replace DeForest Buckner, or do you think that they'll get a depth piece and run with what they have now? You mentioned those two names right there uh, with Ronald Blair and DJ Jones. Those are two players that stepped up big time in the playoffs and last season uh, when there were some injuries um, across the board. Uh, so, yeah, no, I don't think it's a necessary position that they need to fill right away, but it's definitely a luxury to have that and see if they can find someone to replace DeForest Buckner, not next season, but down the road in a couple seasons after they learn and develop from p great uh, players on that position with Eric Armstead, DJ Jones, and Ronald Blair. So yeah, it's not a necessary position to fill, but it's always a luxury. Speaking of luxury, I, I think one of the players they could target, and I already kind of hinted at this, in, in, in the third through fifth round, a third through sixth round, is, is Devon Hamilton, uh, actually uh, Damon Arnett's teammate from Ohio State. He had eight pressures last year, six sacks, and 9.5 tackles for losses in 2019. This kid is so underrated, he's not going to replace Buckner. But when you have guys around him like Abosa, a Ford, an Armstead, uh, DJ Jones, Ronald Blair, Kerry Hyder, Solomon Thomas, I think you place him on the inside, 
Um, you let him improve, and he just play a solid depth piece to give guys like DJ Jones, Ronald Blair, like I already mentioned, all the defensive linemen they have, give them a break. And I honestly do think he can become a valuable part of this defense. He's not going to be a day one starter, uh, but he could be a vital rotation piece. Because we saw how last year the San Francisco 49ers were decimated on that defensive line with injuries. Obviously, they had the personnel to, to kind of fill the void. Uh, but I honestly think Davon Hamilton, a lot of Ohio State guys this year, I guess, for myself. But uh, I, I think those two guys um, um, could definitely be the pieces that San Francisco needs to fill some of the voids they have and not have to reach uh, for a player. But I do want to ask you this question. Joe Staley possibly going to retire. I, I don't think he will, uh, but the rumors are out there. Uh, an offensive lineman may be what San Francisco wants to target or what fans maybe want San Francisco need to target. Um, is there an offensive lineman in this year's draft that, that you say, okay, yes, the Niners, he's not going to be Steelers replacement. It's going to be pretty darn hard to do that. Um, but do you think there's an offensive lineman in this year's draft that could at least add a valuable interior offensive lineman spot or, or even add depth to a position they already have strength at in this year's draft? Yeah, there's one player that comes to mind out of uh, LSU that's um, – Lloyd Cushenberry, I think that he's definitely one of those players that uh, is capable of repl- uh, being a great alignment. Um, but other than that, I don't really think there's a player that comes to mind to replace Joe Staley. Um, it, it's just a tough position to fill because he's been so capable for this 49ers team. And like you said, I don't think he will retire either. I think he's got unfinished business, and I'm pretty sure he signed through 2021. I could be wrong on that. But I think that uh, Joe Staley's here to stay, and I don't think that is a position that they're worried about at the moment. Yeah, Staley definitely is signed through 2021. I know Taylor Worth well, last week said he goes, you know, Staley had been adamant all, all season about, I'm not done, this is my last year. But he did say that you know, losing against the Chiefs uh, in what seemed like a, a, just a horrible collapse in that Super Bowl game definitely had an effect on him. Um, I don't think he's going to retire, obviously, but I definitely think that might be in the back of his mind. And so I want to give two names. The first one is pretty simple. It's Jack Driscoll. Like I said, he may not be there because of how good he is at exploding off of the edge and and, and containing edge rushers. Uh, He doesn't have the size or the strength that is needed in the NFL, but lift some more weights, do some more speed exercises. It'll eventually get there. Um, And he also has great athleticism. But you, you mentioned Cushenberry, so I definitely want to throw out a name that is just as weird as that, and, and that's Calvin Throckmorton from Oregon. Uh, he's versatile. He, he, can play tack, he can play tackle and guard. Um, the Niners definitely need interior uh, offensive lineman help. And if someone goes down, we know Staley and McGlinchey both went down last year, which is one of the reasons why they lost uh, that Seahawks game at home, which was their first loss of the season. Um, I think you know he played in a system in Oregon that basically they, they threw screen passes 23 percent of the time I think that fits what the Niners want to do on offense I think the way Shanahan runs so many plays behind the line of scrimmage and receivers getting yak yards I do think Calvin Throckmorton uh, is the guy that they can target in that sixth round in that seventh round guys who are going to be there late in the draft uh, they can snag and and I kind of want to move over to this and, and you mentioned a safety earlier Jaquiski Tarts in the final year of his contract he, who knows, he, he, he's had many injuries in his history, just like Jimmy Ward has, and we saw how good Jimmy Ward was this year, and even how good Tart was, and, and how how bad this team was at guarding tight ends without Tart 
on the field with Tart in the last year of his contract. You already mentioned a safety. Uh, is there a safety late in this draft that you think you know could add a a valuable piece to that secondary? Because let's be honest here. Uh, we don't know who Tavares Moore is besides the interception against the Chiefs that was supposedly going to clinch that game for San Francisco. And we don't really know the skilling of Marcel Harris, who, yeah, he had the, the strip fumble of uh, of Lamar Jackson against the Ravens in that game and kind of helped bring San Francisco back uh, in that game. But is there someone late in this draft that you could see adding, that's not a big name and not going to be a starter, but someone who can add depth at the safety's position in case one of those guys do go down again, knowing their injury history. Yeah, most of these guys in the sixth and seventh round, they're not going to be ending up starting, if at all, seeing any time on the field at all. And uh, we're going ahead with uh, Jaquaski Tart and Jimmy Ward ahead of them. So, yeah, it's definitely hard for them to see any time on the field, but they can definitely learn from those guys and see some production maybe two or three, four years down the road. But, yeah, there's one player that comes to mind out of Iowa, I think, who's pretty slept on. He's a sleeper pick. That's Geno Stone. Geno Stone, um, he is an Iowa safety, and I think that he can – he can has he has the physical abilities kind of like Isaiah Simmons, but I think he can definitely be able to be a productive player for this 49ers team two or three years down the road. Someone that I look at is Brandon Jones. He's a strong safety out of Texas. Uh, I hate to make this comparison, but this is who he reminds me of. This a much better tackler and someone who has the edge that Taylor Mays didn't have. And I know that leaves a nasty taste in, in Niner fans' mouth because Mays had so much potential. But think of someone like Taylor Mays, who is a better tackler. He's even more athletic and has that chip on his, soul, uh, his shoulder that, that can that can make an instant impact and make him grind for a spot every single year and make him you know this person that you look at and say, you know, he's not going to be a starter, but I'm pretty darn happy he's on our team. And that's Brandon Jones out of Texas. What he can do with his athleticism is... Honestly, you can probably put him at linebacker. He's not as big as they should be at linebacker, and obviously San Francisco already has Warner and Greenlaw uh, and Alexander, uh, but he's someone that can kind of play an in-between and, and can definitely fill in to a role. But I do want to ask you before we have to say goodbye, of course, Arden, but is there anybody else in this year's draft that you think San Francisco should target late in the draft? Yeah, late in the draft, I got that cornerback name for you. That's A.J. Green out of Oklahoma State. No relation to the A.J. Green of the Cincinnati Bengals. Plays a position at cornerback. He's, uh, a, I think he's the consensus pick at this point for the 49ers at that round six, uh, 210th pick in the NFL draft. He's active. He's an athletic quarterback prospect with big upside for the man zone coverage as a man zone coverage defender. Um, he's quick in the short spaces. And I really think that AJ green should be looked at um, for the 49ers. Or he actually is already looked at by the 49ers and should be that consensus consensus pick in the sixth round with that 210th pick. You can follow Arden on Twitter at a underscore Carvalho. That's a underscore C R A V A L H O. Not only does he know his NFL, but he also knows his Pac-12 basketball. He's a big Gonzaga fan. Thank you again, Arden, for coming on. Thanks, Sterling. I uh, hope you stay safe out there, and hopefully we get sports back pretty soon. That's all we have for today's show. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Tell your friends there is a brand new 49ers podcast out there designed just for them. Till next time, my name is Sterling Bennett, and stay faithful.